I'm uh, patting myself on the back right now for uh, choosing Jessica to be the next spiritual director. <laughs> I, I don't know if you could hear that little exchange we just had. I told her for a couple of people here weren't here at the very beginning where I was struggling getting up on the on my bench because I have a problem with one of my knees and I can't set it down. I can't put any weight on it or it's very painful. And, um, <clears throat> and she said, do you want a chair? I said, no. <laughs> she goes, and then I'm, uh, oh, I'm really having a hard time getting in onto my bench. And she goes, are you sure? Mm -hmm. I said, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Which is really funny because the topic I wanted to talk about today was letting go of the fight. <laughs> so I just chat. So I decided, you know, yeah, this is too painful. I'm going to, I'm going to sit rather than try to kneel. And I turned to her when she came up and said, I gave up, I gave in. And she goes, you mean you let go? <laughs> I didn't even know your topic. Yeah, I know you didn't. <laughs> you know, this is one of the values. I speak about this often, but of Kalyanamitas, about the, the benefit that the, the Buddha talks about quite often of having noble friends. Um, people that are really anchored in the training, in the teachings, uh, in the study, in the practice, and wanting to share with other people from this place. Um, it encourages us. We are, you know, we really, as it's human nature to um, want to be with other people. And we emulate, we start to take on examples of these other people. And this is why it's really important to surround ourselves with people that, if we can, as much as we can, have people that are, you know, really taking seriously the practice, really grounded if we can. The Buddha had said that there's two things that strongly lead to stream entry, the first stage of awakening. And that's Kalyanamita having noble friends and appropriate attention. And this example of right now, Kalyanamita and appropriate attention, pay attention. Yeah, yeah I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit in a, in a chair. And then the, the fun exchange between us you know, it's, it's not, um, it's friendly, it's loving, it's well-directed. Um, and if one has appropriate attention, then you're not jealous, you're not angry, you're not put out, you're grateful. Oh, yeah. Sometimes we just, you know, don't recognize when we're fighting with our uh, views and opinions. I don't want to sit. <laughs> I was for, for quite some time, I couldn't, uh, I had to sit in a chair. 
And um, I, it was a couple of years, I finally was able to move on to a bench and that felt great. And now I have a new problem, a different problem than, than the accident that kept me, put me in a chair in the first place. And, and I, you know, I was fighting it. I've been fighting it for months, actually. It's been slowly coming on, but it's gotten increasingly worse over time. And uh, I did not want to sit. What's the big deal <laughs> about sitting? The thing was just, I was just fighting with, I was resisting. And the thing about letting go of our resistance is that it feels so good you know to this is where peace is when we're not fighting duh <laughs> this is peace and you feel it and it's really valuable to recognize it it's you know this this um, image that comes to mind for me these days over and over again in practicing with this letting go of the fight is I, I mentioned this story quite some time ago, a few months ago, I think it was, that of Ajahn Amaro when I first started, came in contact with these teachings of the Theravada, this lineage, of Gary's lineage, Ajahn Chah's lineage. When I first came into contact, it was with Ajahn Amaro and gave this Dhamma talk. And he talked about letting go. And I was like, I went up to him after the end of the, session and said, you know, you talk about letting go, but I'm not, I don't know how to do it. I don't know what you mean by that. When I, when you say let go of these thoughts and emotions, it doesn't seem possible because I'm thinking about it when I'm thinking letting go, I'm thinking about it. And, and, he, and what he said was, it's like this, you hold, you're holding on, you're grasping to an idea and you let it go. I was just like, yeah, I can, I can let go of something physical, but I don't understand how to let go of something emotional or, or mental. And this is what this practice is all about is, you know, the, the meditation even, it's so simple, actually. I was complicating it, but we're training our mind with meditation practice, with the practice of mindfulness in every moment that we can remember to be mindful, we're practicing to direct our mind. You know, so in meditation, especially at the beginning, you know, we, we struggle with keeping the breath in mind. And we've got these little supportive uh, teachings, trainings that help you come back to, to the breath. The important thing to keep in mind is that recognizing that we have left the present moment, and this is what we're doing in, with practice of meditation all the time, recognize that's a big deal. That's something to feel good about. Like, oh, I've lost the plot. I'm off the track. Okay, come back, breathe, breathe, breathe. Oh, I'm off the track again. It's so easy to put ourselves down when we go off of, you know, our intention. But, but what we, it's a, it's a new experience. It's a new training to actually not put ourselves down for it, but to be glad that we recognize that we've lost the present moment. Oh, 
yay, I've, I've recognized it. Come back to the good intention of staying present. So as we strengthen this, it becomes easier and easier to let go of that which is not worthy, uh, that does not lead to our intention to be independent of that which causes suffering and that suffering we cause ourselves. We learn to be mindful of what is beneficial, what leads to calm and peace when we put our attention to it and what leads to a fight when we put our attention to it. That is amazing to be able to see the difference and to be able to let go of the fight and come back to the place of peace and calm. And it may only be a fleeting moment, but we can do it. We want to recognize that we can do this. And this leads to the entry of stream, the stream of Dhamma. This is Dhamma. This is the stream of Dhamma. Directing the mind to what is beneficial, is leads to peace, results in peace. Letting go of our intention, attention on that, which is a fight. Even the small things, boy, be really glad that you can see them. Be very grateful for the friend that points out you're struggling. Can I do something to help? Pay attention to when you refuse. Nah, I don't, I don't need help. Thank you. That was really nice. <laughs> She's so sweet. <laughs> nah, I'm fine. <laughs> and then in meditation, damn, this hurts. <laughs> Why am I finding this? <laughs> and laughing about it and being so grateful. I mean, you know, it is the season for... Gratitude, isn't it? Thanks. Thanksgiving. Do you, do you want to share anything? I'm just like, that actually wasn't what I was, so much what I was going to share today, but that feels complete to me. And it's only been a couple of minutes. <laughs> do you have anything you want to share or, or not? We can also open it up and We've got a half an hour. What do I do with it? We have a lot of announcements, but yeah. we'll get to those. Yeah. You don't have. You don't have. Don't feel put on the spot, but because um, I'm sure I could come up with more. But is anything that comes to mind? Yeah, just a. Uh, you know, I just appreciate you. Mentioning that, that, you know, we hear that a lot, let go, let go. <laughs> and then it's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what does that, what does that mean? And, you know, <clears throat> I think it takes a, a lot of practice to kind of embody it and understand what it, what it does mean. And I think it's individual to a degree. Uh, but I've been thinking about what um, Ajahn Jeff talked about when he was here and you know, he was 
he's talking about the Buddhist teaching on letting go. And uh, part of it is noticing the allure of what we're holding on to and then the drawbacks of holding on to it, the allure and the drawbacks. And, and that helps me. Uh, that helps me quite a bit because it's a, uh, it's like, sh- <laughs> it's like shining a light under a bed. <laughs> oh. I mean, I'm sure your floors are <laughs> vacuumed. Mine <laughs> uh, are a little dusty. But, you know, watching like, oh, I'm hanging on to this because I look, I look kind of good, <laughs> you know, when I do this or it makes me appear, um, you know, <clears throat> like my, I always talk about my kids, but I find myself, I really want them to behave in public. <laughs> I really want them to behave at home too, but I really want them. <laughs> to behave in public you know and uh when they when i when they don't i can get pretty sharp and you know so much of that and hanging on to that so much of that is that you know i want to look good i want them to look good i want to make a good impression i want them to be models you know uh i want us to be models but the drawback you know, to, to hanging on to that is um, that if I'm not really mindful that I, you know, I can be sharp, I can say things I don't want to say. You know, I can be unnecessarily harsh in the moment. You know, and it doesn't you know, boil over really anymore. Uh, but I think about this as holidays are coming up, you know, we tend to find ourselves in (laughs) crowds of people we love dearly and don't want to be near and (laughs) and want to be near sometimes. (laughs) I can find it difficult to uh, parent in front of other people sometimes or in front of people I'm related to. And (laughs) so looking at that allure, like what is driving this clinging? And what are the drawbacks of being driven by it? Um, that's, that's my practice for this season. Uh, and it's helping me let go faster because it is like shining, you know, a light on my real intentions, my, my less than savory, less than um, kind or... Uh, compassionate intentions. And it doesn't mean I'll, everything will, I'll let everything go, you know, out of control. My kids aren't out of control, but um, I think that's what I'm bringing to the situation and the intention behind it that, you know, will guide the, guide the relationship, if not the behavior. And over time, that's the main thing. So. That's what's coming up for me. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Um, all of that, all of this takes uh, mindfulness of, you know, what is going on in our mental world, what's going on in our emotional world, how are we uh, reacting to 
the environment has a lot to do with what's going on up here in here. And Ajahn Cha talks about the necessity in order to drop the fight, the necessity of being mindful at all times all around. But this is where we're going. This is what we're training for, is to be mindful in at all times. And it's not easy. It takes practice because we are not, that's not innate in the human nature and it's not innate in our culture um, to, to be independent, to be able to actually view our experience independent as far as our, our actions can be independent of what we're thinking and feeling and based in reacting or acting from a place of wisdom as opposed to, you know, what do I want? What, how am I gonna get it? Who do I have to put in their place in order to move forward or up the ladder or whatever? We can be actually see these things. You know, they're only a hindrance if we grasp onto them, if we respond from this place of, I want this, I don't want that and I'm not gonna pay attention to the consequences. I'm just gonna think this is what I want, so I'm gonna go get it. So Ajahn Chah talks about uh, the importance of mindfulness, and I'll read this little bit from him. The Buddha taught the value of constant recollection of mindfulness, sati. Whether we are standing, walking, sitting, or reclining, Wherever we are, we should have this power of mindfulness. When we have sati, we see ourselves. We see our own minds. We see the body within the body, the mind within the mind. If we don't have sati, we don't know anything. We aren't aware of what is happening. So sati is very important. With constant sati, we will, see, we will listen to the Dhamma of the Buddha at all times. This is because the eye seeing forms is Dhamma, as is the ear hearing sounds, the nose smelling odors, the tongue tasting flavors, and the body feeling sensations. And when impressions arise in the mind, that is Dhamma also. Therefore, one who has constant sati in the mind, that is Dhamma. Oh, sorry. Therefore, one who has constant sati always hears the Buddha's teachings. The Dhamma is always there. Sati is mindfulness. Sampajana is self-awareness. This awareness is the actual one who knows the Buddha. When there is sati, sampajana, understanding will follow. We know what's going, we know what is going on. When the IC forms, is this proper or improper? When the ear hears sounds, is this appropriate or inappropriate? Is it harmful? Is it wrong? Is it right? Or so on, or so on with the other senses. If we understand, we hear the Dhamma all the time. So let us all understand that right now we are learning in the midst of Dhamma. Whether we go forward or step back, we meet the Dhamma. It's all Dhamma if we have sati. Watching an animal running around in the forest, we see the animals are the same as us. They run away from suffering and chase after happiness just as people do. What they don't like, they avoid. They are afraid of dying just like people. 
If we reflect on this, we see that all beings in the world are the same in their various instincts. Thinking like this is called bhavana, seeing according to the truth, seeing that all beings are companions in birth, old age, sickness, and death. Therefore, is, therefore it is said we must have sati. If we have sati, we will see the state of our own mind. Whatever we are thinking or feeling, we must know it. This knowing is called Budo, the Buddha, the one who knows, who knows thoroughly, clearly, and completely. When the mind knows completely, we find the right practice. If you are without sati for five minutes, you are crazy for five minutes, heedless for five minutes. To have sati is to know yourself, to know the condition of your mind and your life, to have understanding and discernment to listen to the Dhamma at all times. So be sure to practice every day. Whether you're feeling lazy or diligent, just practice. Don't practice only when you're in the mood. If you practice following your moods, it's not Dhamma. Day or night, peaceful mind or not, it's, it doesn't matter, just practice. It's like children learning to write. At first they don't write nicely, big, long loops and swiggles. After a while, the writing improves. Practicing the Dhamma is like this. At first you feel awkward, sometimes calm, sometimes not. You don't really know what's what. Some people really get discouraged. You don't really, let's see, don't slacken off. You must persevere with the practice. Keep up the effort, just like the school children. As they get older, they write better and better. They write badly in the beginning, but soon write beautifully, all because of practicing during childhood. Our practice is like this. Try to have mindfulness all the time, standing, walking, sitting, or reclining. When we perform our various duties smoothly and well, we have peace of mind. When there is peace of mind in our work, it's easy to have peaceful meditation. They go hand in hand. So put effort in your practice. This is training. So that encouragement to you know, have mindfulness in every moment when standing, walking, sitting. It's not talking about just meditation. It's talking about paying attention, mindful. What is leading? What is peaceful? What is uncomfortable? Not fighting with what's uncomfortable, but how are we reacting, responding to it? Should I move away from this? Should I end this conversation? Should I maybe seek out other people to spend more time with? Are, is there someone I should spend less time with? Just paying attention to what inside our own experience, how are we relating, responding to our environment? Is this leading to peace or discomfort? And strengthening our ability to design our world in a way that encourages a sense of peace. So as we get ready to have our holiday season and we will have to meet with people, most likely we'll have to meet with people or go shopping and it's noisy and distracted or whatever we find within our daily lives 
we'll find that we're in an environment that isn't completely comfortable. Can we be in this uncomfortable environment without fighting it, without fighting internally or externally? But taking care, having some compassion. Oh, this is painful. Yeah. And not coming, not reacting to our world from a place of resistance. Because that's just putting out anger, ill will. It's not putting out peace. But just accepting this is uncomfortable and not fighting the discomfort not fighting the uncomfortable environment coming from a place and not fighting is come is taking that seat in peace uh, you can actually take a seat in peace by not fighting while you're uncomfortable just don't respond to the environment from a place of ill will if we have ill will inside if we're fighting it inside Damn it, I hate it when they say that. That's a fight inside. Oh, that's what comes out. That's what we're putting out into the world, whether it's, you know, it's physical. It comes physically in our body when we fight. When we fight our environment, that's what we're putting out, that energy. Instead, it's like, oh, this is, you know, so I might go, damn it, I hate it when he says that or she says that, you know. Oh, there I am. Okay, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to fight this. It's, I'm uncomfortable. Not put it down. Direct my mind to the fact that I'm not going to react to my environment from a place of ill will. Just put it down and, and see that little shift. We're not fighting it. And feel that calmness. And what... What begin what we can what we'll start to see is that even in the simplest experiences and the simplest um, interactions, we can we might be fighting them. Like recently, I bought my grandson a fish. I I he had an operation. He had to be home for two weeks, and I thought, oh, a nice thing to do would be to get him a little goldfish in a little bowl and he can watch that while he's in his bed, you know, and that's something that I would enjoy doing. So I thought he might enjoy that. So I called his moms and said, this is what I'd like to do. Is that all right with you? And they said, yeah, that sounds really lovely. And so went to the store to do that. And the fish people told me, no, you can't do that. That's too, goldfish get really big and they need a big, I didn't know this. <laughs> And, the, and uh, so she said, a good thing to do would get one of these Siamese fighting fish because they can be in a small container. Oh, yeah, okay. But you have to actually have a filter and you have to, have, you have to clean the tank once a week and they can have a small tank. So anyway, I bought this three-gallon tank with a filter and a light and, and then um, brought it over to his house and told us, I hadn't given it to Jameson yet. But told his moms, couldn't buy the goldfish. This is why. So I got this, I got this instead. And then um, told, gave it to Jameson and told him, you and I will go to the store next week after you're better, feeling better, and you get to pick out your own Siamese fighting fish. 
well, while I'm talking about this and we're playing games with him and whatnot, uh, my daughter pops in and says, hey, mom, can you come and talk to us for a moment? So I went out, Alistair was there too. So he stayed there with Jameson and I went into the kitchen and they're like, we don't want, we don't want, uh, uh, we don't want this. We don't want this tank here. It's too much trouble. I don't like having to clean out, you know, fish tanks and, and I just, I can't do it. And I said, okay, all right, that's fine. I'll take it to our house and Jameson can, I'll explain it to Jameson. In the past, I would have actually fought that. I would have like, well, this is your son. This is a good idea because in my mind, this is a good idea. This is for him while he's in bed, bored, thinking about his own pain, looking at something else, literally all this. I could justify it and it would have been a fight. But as we get better at seeing what is worth worthy of our attention when we're really committed to peace, we drop the fight easily because it feels so much better to be at peace. It just, it just makes sense. It becomes simple, you know, so practice with really small incidences, you know, at home, it, it can happen with our kids or it's people that we love, just little tiny things. Think about the next, watch for the next time you have an opinion that you want to bring up that's different than that, the other person's opinion and let your own opinion go. Just see what happens. See what that feels like. Not that that's always going to happen, but like, no, I don't want to do that. It's like, well, maybe I'll just do it. You know, there's a simile of the, or the teaching in the Pali Canon of the Buddha, um, getting exasperated with his community because they were so much fighting. There's so much disharmony going on that he decided I'm going to go off and meet up with these monks that also got exasperated and went off by themselves for a while. And he, he went to them and they're in harmony. They're really getting us just three, three monks and they're really getting along well, and it's really comfortable. And he asked them what they're doing. And one of the things that they're doing, one of the biggest things that they were doing was the, you know, just like, well, if a monk goes off and or comes comes with an idea of something that they want to do, set up the food in a certain way, and I might have a different uh, way that I would like to do it, I just let it go. I just let it go and do it the way they want to do it. And this is just, this just makes sense. And it feels good. So taking the opportunity that every opportunity we can to recognize, is my opinion right now that I'm about to bring up, is it worth it? Is it going to bring peace? Or is it going to bring a little bit of disharmony? And if you know that, that if you feel like it might bring a little disharmony, then let it go. If it's obviously you got to use wisdom, discernment. If it's not safe, of course, you're not going to do that. If it's not wise, you're not going to go with that. But pick something that is easy to let go of and see the difference. How, like putting down the fight, because that's where peace is. 
And as we get more and more skilled of recognizing what it's like to put down the fight, we can do it in bigger and bigger environments.